This week on Family Gathering, we have one of our longest episodes yet, as we discuss the cards we feel you should consider for all your popper decks. Find us at familygathering.fm and contact us at magic at familygathering.fm. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast players. Welcome back to Family Gathering Podcast, the podcast where we talk about keeping magic in the family. I'm Joe. I'm Jonathan. I'm Val. I'm Derek. And we're coming back to follow up on our last podcast, which is a little bit about deck building. And so we're going to start talking about some particular cards uh, for this cast to kind of give all of you some ideas as you're building your decks what to consider um, to be putting into those decks. Um, to start off with, we're going to go and do our card of the cast. So beginning with Jonathan, you know, what have we been kind of doing the last um, uh, since we last got together, and what drove you to pick your card of the cast? So why I picked this card was because um, we made a new deck called Chatterstorm, where there's this squirrel that makes a ton of squirrel tokens for every sorcery or instant spell you play. So I picked Chatterstorm. That's the it costs one colorless and a green to create a one green, one one green squirrel creature token with storm. And the storm is w- the thing that I said were the sorcery and instant spell. It, you played all spells, that turn. actually. Yeah, like all spells that you played that turn. Okay. And why'd you pick that card? Because it can create a lot of creatures for a little cost mm-hmm. if you just play a lot. Yeah, so at this point, I'm sure those who have been paying any attention to Popper knows the disruption this card is making, because what happened the first time you got to play um, against it? I was like, okay, so this is just a Swirl deck. It just puts out Swirls. Well, on turn one, I died, yeah, so, because he dealt me 39 damage with just Swirls. Yeah, so Chatterstorm's a little troublesome, because there's a lot of cards that support it right now like, in the Popper format. first day of class, which gives them plus one, plus one. When the, for every creature that comes into play, and then pace. So, That's why. Yeah, so turn one killed Jonathan for 39 damage. Yeah, that probably, the first day of class really helps because of the haste. Yeah. yeah. Even if it was just the plus one, plus one, and no haste, it wouldn't be as bad. But just adding that haste on there, you know, that card coming right out of Strixhaven, this was a set shortly thereafter. Um, there's a lot of things lined up for it, and I know a lot of people are calling for it to be banned. Yes, be banned. However, there we, we found there are counters to it. But yeah. as with all good cards, there usually is a card to offset it. Counterspell. Well, not quite. Not with Storm. But anyway. Alright, Valentine, what was your card of the cast today? Emmaclaw. It's it takes fifteen of any mana. It's a fifteen fifteen. The spell can't be countered. Um when you cast a spell, take an extra stone extra tone after this one. Find protection from colored spells. Annihilator six. One Elmacol is put into a graveyard from anywhere. Its owner shuffles their graveyard into their library. And why'd you pick that one this time around? Um, me and my friend, we were, um, me and my mom's friend, we were playing some magic, and he had that card. And so he, um, he took it out, and he got to be able to play it, and he placed it down, and he attacked me for 15 and then he added something that made it 21 and then I died so I was really mad. Well he has a lot of abilities you know I was telling Joe that if he didn't have the annihilator he probably wouldn't be as bad but having 15 15 and annihilator 6 makes him pretty hard to beat. Usually Emrakul is the end of the game. 
Unless you have something quick to deal with it, which is not a whole lot, but there's some. Shy the meteor. Um, protection no. from colored. So, so did Dylan cast him using 15 mana, or did he use like a reanimate spell and put him? Well, reanimate doesn't work because if he goes to the graveyard, you shuffle him back in. So how did he get him out? Um, he had mana, and then he had. I think he had um some cards that let him get mana. Mm-hmm. So he had like. Mana from like so like ram spells kind of like in Chatterstorm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was really hard. And, was really and there's mad. plenty of cards that just say put a creature from your yeah. hand onto the table. There's yeah. lots of cards that will cheat him in for a lot less mana. I just wasn't sure how he did it. But as Derek and I had discussed, that's one of the things the Wizards is notorious for is they'll make a super powerful card and think by creating the mana cost to be so big it'll be unplayable. Yeah. But people find a way. <laughs> yeah, they do. Just like with Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is right. Exactly. All right, so those are two cards for your consideration, but uh, again, we want this podcast to be a um, kind of build on our last one. So we talked about you know, kind of the architecture of your deck, We're looking at your mana curve, looking at how many cards you have, looking at how many land versus spells, and so that's a good start, but we wanted to give everyone some ideas of what cards to consider putting inside of the mm-hmm. their decks. Yeah. Um, there is kind of a running joke right now when building a commander deck that commander deck is just Soul Ring and 99 other cards. Because Soul Ring is such a good card that you want to put it in every deck. And so these cards that we're mentioning here are usually pretty popular cards. The cards that you know, we've had in a few of our decks. Obviously we've played with them, which is why we like them. Uh, but when I was going through my list, and then we're going to do one of each color and an artifact. Yeah. I was looking at the ones that I think are the most versatile cards. So the cards that, you know, no matter what you de- what, what deck you put together, you should at least consider these cards to put in there. Because um, they're going to be able to work in most situations. Jonathan, what did you do when you were looking at your cards? Um, I'm, what I did was, when I looked at them, I was like, so I know that I played a lot of colors. I played every one. And there's some cards that I've seen that are pretty good and can deal with lots of creatures. Because mm-hmm. mostly on like turn one, two, or three, you get creatures out, and there's some creatures that can deal with them. So their their effect they tends to mm-hmm. cause some disruption on the on the table. Yeah. They they have some sort of lasting effect. Valentine, why'd you pick your cards? Well, mine was I haven't been playing a lot, so I was just doing ones that were mostly used. Yeah, you did You did some research. Yeah. Uh, you spent at least an hour just going through deck lists yeah. and other websites and found some of the cards that are just in the most decks. Yeah. So. And Derek, what'd you do for yourself? Uh, I, I kind of took the same approach you did. I love versatility and I love card advantage, so that's where a lot of my stuff comes from. Right. So we'll go through them, and again, these are all our personal opinions, so if you mm-hmm. don't like our opinion, feel free to email us back and tell us that we're wrong. And that and you should pick and email the card that should be there. Yeah, you're wel- we're welcome to hear some feedback, because these are all subjective. Yes. Um, I can tell you that the ones I pick are not in every single deck yeah. of that color, except for maybe one. Um, but... These cards are going to, again, the purpose of your deck will drive which of them that you'll need, but hopefully you'll get four um, cards of different colors from us, and that'll help you get to your building. So, to start us off with, we're going to go in color order. Jonathan, what'd you pick for your white card? Uh, I picked Core Skyfisher. What's that do? 
Um, it costs one colorless and a white mana for a two free flying, and when it enters the battlefield, you may turn a permanent to your hand. And why I like Horse Die Fisher is you can get a two free flying out, and the mana that you passed it with, mm -hmm. you can return that to your hand so that you can play it out the next turn. If that's the mana that gains you life, it will just keep gaining you life. So you can reuse those yeah. end of the battlefield effects. So that if you're like at one health and there's a creature that your opponent has and you can't deal with it and it's a 1-1, one, one, you can do that, play it next turn so that it will heal you, and then you might be able to live, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, we've seen a lot of, lot yeah. of our decks where he shows up and where they have a lot of end of the battlefield yeah. effects. Yeah. So like Omen of the Dead, um, uh, Prophetic Prism we've used that with. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has, artifact a, lands. he has a lot of things that you can... Because I've seen you play the most of Prophetic Prism, because you return that to your hand, because then when it comes in, you can draw cards, so that if you don't have stuff in your hand that you like, you can get another, another thing that you hope you can play with. Yeah. So it gives you card value, because you get to pretty much use that card again. So, good for that. Alright, Valentine, what'd you pick for your white card? I picked Stonehorn Dignitary. Um, it's a white... One white mana and three random. Um, when Stonehold enters the battlefield, target opponent skips their next combat phase, and it's a 1-4. So a 1-4 is a really good blocker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doesn't deal that much damage, but it blocks. No. Nope. Yeah. But if you think about just the two cards you guys mentioned, that's another one of those end-of-the-battlefield effects. And that's where, of course, Skyfisher can return that to your hand so you can do it again. There's also... Stonehorde tends to see more play where you can get him, you can just keep having him come in and out of battlefield because yeah. in the popper format, it's usually creatures that they're killing you. So if you can stop them from attacking, super yeah, I would even stop Chatterstorm. Yeah, it would. As long as you could keep blinking him or returning him and recasting, it would stop even a million tokens from attacking. Yeah. So, okay. It's He's good pretty good. I like that. What do you got, Joe? My white card. I picked Throbin Inspector. Yeah. That card um, is great. Yeah, one white for one two when he enters the battlefield, investigate, which is to put a, a colorless uh, clue artifact, which then you can pay two to sacrifice to draw a card. Um, you know, I, I, I love this card in pretty much every deck that I have that's white. You, yeah, I think you pretty end much up every putting deck. It in. Yeah, you it, end up putting it in. It's in there, and um, reason being, one white for a one two makes it automatically a, a balanced card because that gives you. Blockers for all the one ones that come at you, so you can absorb those. But the fact that it puts an artifact on the table too, that then goes yeah, into like metalcraft and affinity. Take benefit of that. Also, any other um, I don't know a whole lot of artifact ETB triggers, but um, that may also come into play. But then you can sacrifice the artifact to draw a card, so it has card draw behind it. So for one white mana, you get a creature, you get an artifact, and the ability to draw later on. And so that's yeah. just super solid. So my card is Squadron Hawk. It's one colorless and a one white. Uh, so two mana total. It's a one-one flying. When Squadron Hawk enters the battlefield, you may search your library for up to three cards named Squadron Hawk. Reveal them, put them into your hand, and then shuffle your library. So this one isn't the most versatile card, but he offers card advantage. Um, and I love card advantage. So you can search for one more, two more, three more. Um, it helps thin your deck out, and it just gives you more cards to play in your hand and more creatures. Yeah. 
and he's flying. So you can't block. And, and you've seen that kind of with self assembler that we have in Tron, where every time you play yeah, it, you get you, another one. Yeah, you, you get another one. And Squadron Hawks the same way. You can get and fill your hand. Yep. And then those are now cards in your hand, so you could use them to discard later if you need to for one reason or another, or just play a bunch of flyers. You, you could discard them, or another thing that I see people do sometimes is you search for them, and then you put like one down with Brainstorm as the bottom card, and then you search again, and then you can do some shenanigans with that. All right, so that's your whites. Jonathan, what about blue? Um, I have Dover Secrets. I've seen him in a deck, and he's pretty good because when you, he starts out as only one blue mana for a 1-1, one, one, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top card of your library, and you may reveal that card if an instant or sorcery card is revealed this way, you may transform him, and it transforms him into a free to flying. And that's pretty good because when you're playing a deck and you just have a 1-1 one, one out with the Delver, and your opponent has a 1-1 like, one, one flying, and you can't deal with flying because there's no creatures in your deck with flying, mm -hmm. and you transform him, he'll be a free to flying. So you can de deal with flying, absorb some damage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, Delver's such a great card, and I think we've mentioned him on the podcast before, because he's just perfect for his, his color. If he were a green card, it would see no play. Uh, but the fact that he's blue, most of those decks that are running blue are going to have the instants and sorceries to get it to flip over. So usually, most players get him to flip yeah, over like the next turn. Yeah, so the next turn, you play it as a 1-1, one, one, but then it's becoming a 3-2 by the time it gets to attacking. So one blue for 3-2 flying. It's a pretty solid card. Yeah. So Valentine's card goes with Delver. It's um, my card is Brainstorm, one island. Um, draw three cards and put two um, cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. So he he'll help flip Delver. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Joe. What you got? Well, I don't have a lot of comments there because my blue card is Brainstorm. Yay! So, but why did you pick it? So I picked Brainstorm because. Um, it lets you, for one blue, you're looking at three cards. Yeah. And you can um, do a variety with, of those things. Um, obviously, if you're digging to find a card, this lets you go dig deeper into your deck. But also gives you the ability to put away cards you don't want in your hand back yeah. on the top of your library. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't do land, but one of the, I think, most popular lands in Popper is Ash Barrens. Yeah. Because then you can cycle it and go find a land that you want, which that helps fix your, your color, but it also forces you makes your deck shuffled yeah. yeah and so when you use brainstorm you can put two cards you don't want back on top combo that with other abilities that make you shuffle means those cards go away so essentially off of one blue you've drawn three cards that you want got two that you get rid of two that you don't want so you've manipulated five cards with one blue mana and that's super powerful and one of those they with blue i have to find a good reason not to put it in because it's just too nice. personal the card so you could put two Squadron Hawks back, cycle mm -hmm. Ash Barons, cycle the Squadron Hawks back into your, or shuffle them back into your deck, play number two Squadron Hawk that you kept, and then go search for them again. Yeah. Yeah. So you've essentially drawn three cards and gotten your back. And so. also, it's not just cards that you don't like. It's like in our Delver deck, you want to put the either, you want to put a spell on there so mm -hmm. that Delver can become his free two, or you can put the the tornado that we have where yeah. it, it deals five damage 
for only one mana. Yeah, so in some situational decks where we have cards that have Miracle that require a card to be on the very top of the deck, mm -hmm. um, you can set it up with Brainstorm. Yeah. So it's not just getting rid of bad cards, but you, you determine Did your next two cards. Turns. On there. Yeah. yeah. But your opponent might, if you have the Millen deck, might get rid of that forever. That, that's true, so there's always that risk. So, But that's my blue card in Brainstorm. So mine is close. Um, I don't like Brainstorm as much in Popper because I don't feel there's as many shuffle effects. So my choice is Ponder. Um, it's still three cards for one blue. Now it is a sorcery instead of an instant, but it gives you that option to shuffle your library if you don't like those three cards, and you still get to draw a card, mm -hmm. um, which in the end is all Brainstorm truly gives you is one card. Um, it gives you some manipulation, but that works better when you have something like Ash Barons, Evolving Wilds. I just I prefer Ponder in this Popper format because it just lets me look. I know what I'm going to still draw, or if I don't think any of those are good, I can shuffle. Yeah, and, and Ponder was my number two. And in fact, it spent a lot, a lot of time between Brainstorm and Ponder. Um, and I I pick Brainstorm because it gives you that that the, the setup there. But Ponder is a, a great other choice, especially if you're playing decks where you don't necessarily need combo as much. Ponder's going to usually end up being probably a better card for yeah. you. And uh, fortunately in Popper the sorcery speed isn't as big of a problem. There's not yeah. near as much control and if there is, it's a particular deck that you're building around it where that actually matters. But mm -hmm. I think for the most part, I consider those two 1 and 1.5. Yeah, so, I would agree. All right, so going to black, Jonathan, what'd you pick? What'd you pick a black? I picked Trip Drats because it, it's two colorless mana and one black. I picked Trip Drats because it's only a one-one, but it has an ability where you can pay X and Trip Drats deals edge damage to each creature and player, and spend only black mana in this way. So that means that if he's out and your opponent's like overpowering you, mm -hmm. and has like a million creatures out, you shouldn't just be like, oh, I have 20 health, he's gotten all these creatures out on turn one, like, Matthew's elf deck should be dealt this way, because he gets a ton of elves out by, like, turn three, and then you can get this guy out by turn three, and then on, like, his turn, you can just tap all your black mana that you have, and deal him, like, and deal every elf and him, and then yeah. yourself and your opponent so, free damage yeah. and just wipe out the entire board yeah. and then you will have creatures in your hand but your opponent won't because they've been playing them out yeah i've killed many many of elves in my mm -hmm. lifetime with rats yeah mainly due to this particular card crypt rats it, and it's it is one card. of my favorite cards of all time um and just because of the way it could just wipe the board the fact that it's in and popper makes it even better because again this is a creature-based format, and so it's a quick way to reset the board. Yeah. Um, and then, especially if you're on the wrong end of a lot of creatures coming at you, you can just pay, you yeah. know, eat the three damage to prevent ten down the line. So. Yep. Yeah. Crypt Rats is very iconic for our playgroup. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us, Valentine? Um, so my card is Echoing Decay. It's a one black and a one random mana target creature and all other creatures with the same name as that creature get minus two minus two until end of turn. You know you picked this card and I really wasn't sure why but can you think of why this would be good after playing some cards today? Because Chatterstone. Chatter. 
he, um, Jonathan kind of took me down with Shadowstorm, but I was still holding up and still not dying. And if, like, if I had that card, I could target Shadowstorm, and then he gets minus two, minus two, and I think he dies. Well, the squirrel, you can't target Chatterstorm, but you would target the squirrels, and they all have the same name, yeah. which is Squirrel. And unless yeah. they've cast two first day of glass, they're going to get minus two, minus two, and it would kill them. So I yeah. think that this card is already a pretty good card, but with Chatterstorm being yeah. popular right now, I think you have a good pick there. Yeah, I, I and Matthew agree. has it in one of his decks. Yep, and, and he's pretty good with magic. Well, yeah. well, don't say that on recording. Yeah, we'll edit that out. Yeah, we'll edit that one out. Um, but no, I think that's it's a great card, especially for those that are playing. You know, getting a volume of creatures out. I mean, that kills a lot of elves too. Kills a lot of elves. Kills, kills a lot of stuff in Soul Sisters. Mm-hmm. Kills a lot of stuff in Affinity. It does. So that that seems like a really good pick. I think yeah. that might be my favorite pick of yours, Valentine. Yeah. Beautiful artifact. Yeah, in worst case scenario, it's a one for one. Best case scenario, you're taking out a lot of creatures in one card. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. card advantage. Yep. So, all right. So my black card is actually not Crypt Rats. <gasps> yeah, I know. I, I should have picked it, but I'm going more for versatility. And the downside to Crypt Rats is it blows up everything on the table. And so it, it's situational. You have to be in a losing position for Crypt Rats to really be advantageous. Otherwise, it's three for a 1-1. One, one, so, yeah. Mine is actually cast down. So one in a black, destroy target non-legendary creature. Uh, you and, know, ma- yeah. Magic is notorious for one in a black, kill something, but there's some sort of condition around yeah. it. You know, it has to be a tapped creature, or it has to be a non-black creature, or it has to be a certain Non-artifact. Type. In this case, it is a non-legendary creature. And in a popper format, you yeah. don't run across legendary too much. Yeah. And so it's essentially, it's one or black kill a creature. And that is, you know, it's, it's solid. I don't know any situation where it's not going to be advantageous to put that in. Yeah, a little mod crusher kills that. I mean, it's anything on the table, it's just dead. So... I think cast down, etched out some of the other my favorite black cards. So I almost picked cast down, and I decided not to because the more I thought about it, the card that in Popper that's black that I would see myself playing the most is Street Wraith. Um, he is three black black for a three four, which is not great, um, but four toughness is really solid from my experience. But like I said, I picked a lot on versatility and card advantage. And the ability to cycle and only paying life, for me, is just great. Mm. So if he's not what I need right then and I'm looking for something, I can cycle him and draw a card. And then also in my experience from our group of decks, black is fairly popular. Yeah. So Swamp Walk is amazing. Oh, that's true. In fact, I play a lot. I've always looked at it from its cycle ability, but it's got Swamp Walk, and it'll it'll etch in, and that kind of damages. Nothing to joke about. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't think like, we've ever cast it. Yeah, we've <laughs> never, so that's why I don't know that it has Swamp Walk. Yeah. Now, another that I, I almost put on here, but I really am not a fan. Well, I detest the Monarch mechanic, just because I think it, yep. it causes Thorn a lot of in-game ramps. Thorn of the Black Rose is one of those. It's yes, also... Touch. It'd be a, a good number two just because... I play that a lot. It's going to kill the creature. Yeah. And it gives you the Monarch. And so the ability to protect your Monarch makes it, I think, one of yeah. the best Monarch cards, yeah. too. But All right, Jonathan, what do you got for red? 
Lightning Bolt. And what does Lightning Bolt do? Um, one red mana for, and it, what it does is it deals three damage to target creature or player, and it's an instant. Why I chose this was because most people get out creatures with really low health on turns, and there might be a creature that can do really things like gym, really bad things like gym height sliver. It can gain you mana with that by only tapping creatures. So you should use lightning bolt to get rid of it. Yeah. But mostly every red deck that we play has lightning bolt in it. Except for some of mine because I don't have any lightning bolts. Fair enough. Um, I agree with everything you just said. Three mana. Uh, there's not a lot of creatures out there that have more than three toughness. And again, creature every format, you want something to remove them. Lightning bolt will do that. And you know what? If they don't have creatures in the play, throw it to their face. And they eat like three damage. Valentine, what'd you pick? Mine is also lightning bolt. <laughs> Yes. Um, so you did more research. So how many decks did you come across that had Lightning Bolt? Well, there wasn't a lot with um, red mana. Mm-hmm. But The ones with red mana? Yeah, it mostly had Lightning Bolt. If mm, not, some card. other, maybe Shock or some other um, red mana. Some other variant of Lightning Bolt? Yes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us, Joe? My red is... Lightning bolt. Also, lightning bolt. <laughs> Everything was just said, but I mean, yeah. it, it lightning bolt historically has been the measure of what what does one red cost you? Yeah. And, and so one red is three damage. If you're going to get that through a creature, you're going to get that through um, some other spell. You should be getting one red. You should be getting three damage worth of effect. So that's really the measure because of lightning bolt's iconicness. Yeah. And so that's, I couldn't not pick it because, again, if you're building a red deck, you would have to have a really, really strong reason not to play Lightning Bolt. Uh-huh. Now, what I did do is because I had a feeling we're going to go that way, my runner-up is actually Faithless Looting. So Faithless Looting is my first choice. Is it really? Yes. Then I'll shut up. Go ahead. So I thought about red probably the hardest because I agree that it seems like every deck that has red plays Faithless Looting. But then the more I thought about it, or plays Lightning Bolt, I'm sorry. The more I thought about it, I was like, well, our Boros Metalcraft deck that you have doesn't play Lightning Bolt. Okay, well, Joe was telling me that it does, but I only remember Galvanic Blast, which is a variant of Lightning Bolt. Sure. I don't think the Wall Combo deck has Lightning Bolt. I don't think it does either. The Cycling Storm deck that we were originally playing that had red did not have Lightning Bolt. Mm Mm-hmm. The Chatterstorm deck that currently has red does not have Lightning Bolt. And I thought about those decks, and I thought the card that I see most often, actually, in our play is Faithless Looting. And again, I like versatility, and I like card advantage. And while Faithless Looting is not straight-up card advantage, it lets me filter through my deck in red. And and that's advantage. And so I guess those are pretty strong cases to not run Lightning Bolt and... Uh, Reanimator doesn't have it either. And Reanimator, yeah. And, and that's where Faithless Looting, uh, being able to put cards into your graveyard, there's a lot of yeah. graveyard there. Yeah, I mean, that's when you get advantage by discarding, then you've... You are much, getting card advantage. You're getting a four-card advantage. Because yep. you're putting two cards where you want them and two cards drawn. Yeah. So, all right. And I figure we'll cross over there. But what about green? Uh, I have Wild Growth. Because I've seen this one in only one deck, but it's a pretty good card because... I recommend if you're doing a green deck, even though we have a ton of green decks that don't have this in them, mm-hmm. I recommend putting this one in because what Rod Growth does is it only costs one forest, and you can 
and it adds one forest to your mana pool whenever target land is tapped for mana. Mm -hmm. So mostly what you do is you put it on any card and it would duplicate what it makes. Yeah, and that's good because it's an enchantment that stays and it's on a land. Mm -hmm. And um, Most cards don't destroy lands. There's very few, and in fact we've had some discussions around, I mean you have to build a deck around destroying land. In the popper format it's not... Um, it's not yeah. mana efficient. Yeah. yeah. Even in some bigger formats, you struggle to find good mana efficiency at destroying people's lands. Yeah. So you know that that land for the rest of the game is going to make you more mana. Whereas dropping a land of war elves or some other mana dork is going to just... It'll be there as long as that elf is there. But beyond that, it's not Wild Grass got staying power. So I'd agree that's a good card. Thousand. Valentine? Um, my card is Chatterstone. <laughs> So I think we've talked about this enough. I think that uh, every podcast is probably talking about this enough. Yes. And like we kind of said, Valentine did hers more based on research, and right now the format is heavily dominated by Chatterstorm. Exactly, because Chatterstorm is taking over family internet. But to kind of tie this to family, I also like to think that Valentine picked this because her mom loves squirrels. Well, I didn't pick... I. I, well, yeah. I didn't pick it because mom loves squirrels. It because it was because that was the uh, one that was mostly being used in every death that had grass because of Chatterstorm, and it's just been using a lot because Chatterstorm is so good right now. It, it is good, even if you're not building a Chatterstorm deck. If you're b- building a green deck. Yeah, it's pretty it's easy good. for green to be able to cast more than one thing in one turn. And yeah. so you could get a storm. Get two or off. three. Yeah. yeah. And so one card gets you two tokens. And even at one on green, creating one squirrel is not horrible. But it's not the worst. Yeah, that's the that's situation's good. come up. All right, so for my green card, actually is the one that uh, really uh, drove my thought process behind what we're doing right now. And it's one that I wouldn't have considered until I went back and looked at what cards have been really versatile inside our decks. And so my green is actually Lead the Stampede. Yes. Um, one of the things, as you're playing green, you'll find out you can get a lot of creatures out. Your limitation is your hand. And so you will usually play out your hand. And if you're playing it in a green deck, you're likely going to have a lot of creatures. And so um, what the card does is two in a green, look at the top five cards of your library, and you may reveal any number of creature cards from among them, and put the revealed cards in your hand, put the rest in the bottom of your library. And so this is just a great way to refill your hand. I've seen it hit five cards. So you pay three mana and you get five cards. Dang. That's huge card, yeah. inv- card advantage. Typically it'll hit two or three, but paying three mana to draw three cards is, I mean, blue doesn't even usually do that. I mean, and so to put that inside a green, that's just the immediate fix that they need. Um, and so they have Lead the Stampede. Winding Ways was a close second, mm-hmm. but Winding Ways only four cards. Yeah. And most of the time if you're playing green, you need the creatures. And so the option to be able to do land of creatures with mm-hmm. Winding Way, not as powerful as just only being able to get five cards. What you would do. Yeah, so that's my green. Lead the Stampede is great. Winding Way, all of those type of cards in green are really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I channeled my inner Matt, house historian, um, but I also just looked at when I build a green deck, what do I want? I want more mana to play spells. Yes. So I chose Llanowar Elves. One green, it's an elf, one one, tap, add one more green. Right. And he just, he ramps you, he's a creature, you can have elf tribal, you can just ramp more bigger spells out. I mean, there's so many things I feel like he does. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. No, he, he's a solid card. He's been around since beta, I think. Yes, he is a, an original beta card. Yeah, and so, yeah. I mean, he's been a part of green decks for a long, long, yeah. long time, and it's one of those, you kind of have to have a reason to not play him. Mm-hmm. They've got so many variants of land Orioles that do the exact same thing just because that ability has just been one, iconic to green of... You know, they make any green creature and they just slap that on the bottom willy-nilly, it seems. Yeah. Uh-huh. And also, when we started um, playing, I got when I got my green deck, I had Lane or Visionary, which mostly does the same thing. It is a 1-1, one, one, and you can tap it to add one green mana. Yep. I, yeah. I and Land War Elves has lots of variants. Okay. Yeah, I have that in my Mountain Forest deck. Oh, your energy deck, yes. Yep, he's in your energy deck. Yeah, I have a lot of those, and it's very useful. Yep. yep. All right, bud. Last one. Last one, what's Artifacts. your artifact? Yep. Ginger Brew. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised now that I think about that. <laughs> and what's Ginger Brew do? It is one tur- colorless mana for a 1-1 one, one haste. So on the first turn, you can just instantly deal them one damage. And then you may pay one to make him... He can't be blocked this turn except by creature's haste so he'd be invincible mostly because mostly on turn one there's not a lot of creatures with haste even throughout the game there's not and then you can pay two and tap him to sacrifice him and gain free life Mm -hmm. also so he's a pretty good card because you can put him out on turn one attack with him and then like we have it in infinity infinity because when you put on cranial plate and he you t- and you have one mana left over and you attack and you see your opponent has all of these creatures out, just pay one. And pretty much unblockable. Yeah, and then you yeah. win. Yeah. Okay. Alright, that's a good one. So I'm gonna say Jogo, because mine and Valentine's is the same. Got it. This one I fought with, and actually I made a choice and then I changed my choice. And my initial one was Prophetic Prism. And but that's- I because you cast those every game, all four? Uh, yes, because I tend to constantly play Prophetic Prisms in all of my decks. Um, and so that one was, if you have the ability to get them back out um, and back into your hand you get that. that draw again, then it can be useful. Um, the mana filter can fix for you, um, but that's usually if you're running to where you have to rely on that more, then you have another problem. Like what's going on, so it shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to lean on that, and I often forget they're even there. The one that I ended up choosing was Chromatic Star. Oh. So we all have the same card. Except for yeah. me. Yeah. Except yeah. For me. Well, then I should switch to Chromatic Sphere <laughs> or Orb. Um, well, my original list, I had Chromatic Star slash Sphere. They are slightly different, but yeah, Chromatic Star has the advantage only because in Infinity it can be consumed with Atog, and so. Uh, I'd still get the card draw, but one colorless, um, and then colorless and tap, sacrifice it, add one man of any colors. So And draw a card. And then you draw a card when it goes to the battlefield, you so after it. you're using it. So the reason between these two is if they're the same effective ability. They just, one's permanent, one's really not a permanent. But you get a mana refund with the Chromatic Star. Because um, it could, uh, affinity for artifacts, you could get, that could count. Yeah, so this is in this is in the affinity deck because it can filter and get you the color that you need at that moment instead of relying on prophetic prism to do that throughout the rest of the game but not getting a mana refund. And so yeah. that's why I picked Chromatic Star. So Valentine, you picked based on um just how 
Like how many decks had it? Yeah. Do you have a rough idea of how many decks had it? Like one, two. Half? More yeah. than half? Of the decks you looked at? Okay. Because mm -hmm. there were not a lot of um, artifacts, kind of like... There, mm -hmm. there were many with artifacts, but not like a lot of artifacts. They might have had like four chromatic stars. So a lot of them were running it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Usually anything with multiple colors is going to run it. Yeah. So for me, again, I like card advantage. I like versatility. Not straight card advantage, but it replaces itself, which is always a great thing. And then being able to filter the mana earlier. You know, if you play Prism, you play it on turn two, and you're not probably filtering mana until turn three at best. You know, with Chromatic Star, you can play this turn one and filter mana on turn two, yeah. which can help a lot in that situation. Um, and then just it does have some other effects, you know. Um, you can sack it to Atog, pump the Atog, and draw a card. Yeah. So that was one of the easier cards for me to pick. I, and that's, again, I, I was going back and forth between that and Prism, because if you have, especially as we were talking earlier with um, Jonathan's first uh, pick with the Core Skyfisher, you have other abilities to return cards to your hand, that's one that you could easily fix the downside of a card by making it a Prism return. And so uh, it, it's it's another good consideration, but Chromatic Star, I mean, if you're playing a multicolor deck, you probably want to put this in there. Yeah. Yeah. That is, again, our picks for one of each color. And so as you're building your decks, again, give these some consideration. Yeah. Um, feel free to reach out to us, yeah. too, if you have other cards that you that we're maybe not considering. Um, obviously, we're playing off of our experience and then off your research as well, Val. So as you find more cards, let us know. We'd and like to continue to flash the card yep. so that we can figure out what we did wrong there. Yeah, we may not have considered some, so we haven't seen the whole spectrum. So, love to get your feedback there. But other than that, here are, well, at least 10 or so good cards that yeah. you can be considering uh, going forward for your decks. So, with that, I'm all tapped.